Hello, I'm Liv Bolton, and this is The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire people wanting to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of their life. Welcome to Series 2. I can't quite believe it. Thanks so much for all your support for Series 1 and your feedback. It's been brilliant to hear how the podcast has given so many of you the inspiration to get outside and go adventuring, because really that's what it's all about. One listener told me that the sounds of nature made him jump out of bed and go hiking. And lots of you got in touch to recommend other inspiring people who would be good to interview. Some of my guests from this series come from those recommendations. So thank you so much for this and keep your suggestions coming. If you're enjoying the podcast please subscribe to it and head to the outdoors fix on instagram for photos of my guests and snapshots from the recordings today's guest is harrison ward known as fell foodie on instagram three years ago harrison lived in york was 22 stone and drank around 20 pints a day he admits that he was deeply depressed lived a sedentary lifestyle, and his drinking was having a huge impact on his life. Harrison now lives and works in the Lake District, is passionate about hiking, fell running, and wild camping. He's sober, and has created a big buzz around his cooking while in the outdoors. It's not just sausages and bacon cooked in the hills for Harrison. It's more like steak with a roasted red pepper salad. He's such an interesting guy, and the journey to his current life has been extraordinary. I went up to the Lake District to hear how he's turned his life around and why the outdoors has been so important in his transformation. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Head to Instagram to see photos of how Harrison's life has changed, as well as the location of where we recorded the episode. Harrison, so lovely to see you and we are in the middle of the Lake District. Tell me exactly where we are. Yeah, so we've just come up just from uh, Grasmere, so quite quite central lakes. Uh, Just had a little walk up to uh, Easdale Town, which is quite a nice little uh, beauty spot, very popular with the tourists in there on the weekend days, but we've got it to ourselves today, so. It's pretty good weather for it as well, isn't it? That's it, it's holding out, isn't it? Yeah, blue sky so far, but uh, you probably jinxed it now, so. Oh, thank you. Yes, I know. We'll have some rain any moment. Um, but yeah, no, it's an absolutely beautiful spot. And uh, you've been swimming in this town before. What was it New Year's Day, did you say? It was, yeah, when I first sort of uh, moved to the area. Yes, I did uh, I did jump in here. I thought it was a good way to start uh, to start the new year, really. But uh, yeah, I quickly changed my mind when I heard how cold it was. But uh, I'm not sure how these uh, wild swimmers do it day in, day out. But it was a good experience. I'll do it again for sure. Oh, well, I think people will hold you up to that. <laughs> um, so today you are going to cook us something a bit later on so yes i am so i've got my stove i've got my kit with me um i thought we couldn't come all this way and i'll have a cook that's what i like to do so i've got like a little uh, chicken cannellini sort of stew dish we're going to do with uh, some nice sort of sun-dried focaccia just uh, oh hello that yeah, sounds amazing yeah, should, be, should be quite a nice little dish yeah oh great well i look forward to that later on <laughs> but i want to go back to your story because you've got quite an amazing amazing story and a bit of a transformation in the past few years so so tell me what your life was like three years ago yeah, completely. Uh, very different. Um, I mean, I often state, it, it's like looking back on a stranger, really, looking back to sort of my, my old sort of life, and it's, it's not even that long ago. I'm from this area originally. I'm from sort of Carlisle, sort of further north in Cumbria. Um, so the lakes has always been on the, on the sort of doorstep. But um, I moved across uh, to York for university um, at 19. 
I guess just found myself in, in, a, in a very different lifestyle. I'd sort of, I guess, suffered quite a lot um, from an early age with, I guess, sort of a depression or through sort of puberty sort of thing and through there, very sort of lots of insecurities. Even version on sort of suicidal thoughts at times, really, really sort of that severe. And it wasn't until uh, sort of 18, which I found a way to sort of, to silence these sort of thoughts, I guess, if you like. It was very much uh, just battling them every day. Um, I've always been quite a very eccentric sort of uh, outgoing sort of person, which uh, some people can disguise sometimes as a front, I guess. But for me, it's very, it was very much more of, more of a shield, a deflector. Um, I didn't like to sort of show that sort of feeling that I had. I'd, I'd, I'd always worked sort of through school and sort of little part-time jobs here and there. And, uh, I was mainly sort of in and around the pub trade, if you like. So once I got to 18, of course, you, you were able to work behind the bar and serve alcohol and such. And it, it quickly sort of, I guess, became a vice I enjoyed quickly, shall we say. So I, I quickly began to spend most sort, of, most sort of nights in the pub. By sort of second year in York, I was probably, uh, well, I don't know, I was smoking at least a pack a day. And um, I don't know, even sometimes version of sort of 20 pints a day, sort of thing, really? that sort of thing. Yeah, comple wow, completely wow. in that scene. Um, and I moved up various echelons in management in the, in the pub sort of lifestyle, but always kept this, kept this going. I mean, I was really, for a good sort of three and a half years, I was probably out every single day, um, maybe bar three, wow. literally. Um, and that was sort of from getting up first thing in the morning, would be getting my head straight again by having a few cans whilst I'm brushing my teeth, just to get back to a normal sort of level um, before heading off to work. You know, again, I was in that environment, you could get away with it. If little drinks are here or there, we're going spare, getting tipped down, you know, your drip tray's getting emptied. There was those to go in my little coffee cup. I'd just fill it up in a little porcelain cup, drink those all day. I'd work my shift and I'd be straight back on it again after that day. Most days, it was at least plus 12 hour drinking days every day for, yeah, a good three years, yeah. Wow, um, and so with that, you've spoken about before that you, you did put on a lot of weight. Yes, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. What, what size were you? So at my heaviest, I got to, um, 20 stone, 22 stone four, I think was the heaviest I weighed myself at. Um, so that lifestyle, I guess, the, the whole calories in drink, I guess the nature of getting completely out of your mind and then, I don't know, stumbling into takeaway outlets, you know, your van's in town sort of thing. I don't, I don't recall a lot of it, to be honest. Or, but again, working in that pub environment as well, it was more sort of picking food as you go. So a lot of that is, you know, it's chips on the go here and there. There's a few chips left over from the fryer. You're munching those when you can. Um, and in the height of it, to be fair, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't even buying food because I, I was, I was saving my money for other things. Really, I was saving money to sustain my other vices. So, the weight escalated. I was doing no exercise, whatever. I was a very sort of a sedentary lifestyle, even to the point where the places where I worked, I mean, there's maybe two flights of stairs to go up sometimes to check people in, and you know, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a slow sort of waddle up the stairs and out of breath talking to people afterwards. It's, it was, it was severe. And, even at that sort of, uh, that weight, it called up on me quite quickly. I, it almost sort of all came on in about three months. One day I remember just walking past my sort of uh, bedroom mirror and just sort of double took and went, bloody hell. So obviously your life is incredibly different now. You're fit and healthy and, and you're sober. Um, so what was that point in York where you thought, gosh, I really, really want to turn my life around? What was the turning point? It was very sudden. A very sudden change. Um, I was in a relationship at the time, um, sort of a, a quite a serious relationship, you know, I was about to move in together with the girl I was seeing at the time. And um, I, I sort of lived almost two relationships um, throughout that time, one with alcohol, one with her. I'd not really um, accepted it myself of how much it was controlling me, I guess. But it wasn't really until sort of the relationship ended um, Due to sort of me, me, me living this other sort of lifestyle um, and, and being unfaithful in the end was, 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 was the reason um, and her discovering this. And 
it really made me realise that I'd, I'd become somebody I wasn't. The fact I'd compromised my loyalties to somebody I loved very much at the time, and loyalty was a trait that I saw um, as very much being one of my sort of key ethoses, um, seemed to be the point which I went, this has gone too far here. Uh, and I'd be lying if I said initially it wasn't to try and win her back, because the relationship had ended. Um, but it just started a whole sort of cycle of events that, that, that really began to change. Now, obviously at this point I, I was working in this pub, I, I was managing a pub, kid in a sweet shop, living in New York, was in a relationship. Um, once one ended, I then sort of got to the point of going, I can't be in this environment anymore. I can't be working in the pub. If I'm going to do this and, and get alcohol out of my life, um, get my life back on track, stop smoking, get fit again, I had to remove myself from this situation, so my auntie came and picked me up. Um, obviously, I'm in a complete state. I mean, I've had, I've had, it's a mental breakdown is what I've had at this point. Um, I've experienced those in the past as well, but not, this was finally um, major. Um, she lived outside of York. They came and picked me up, and I stayed there for, for a week, um, got my head together a bit, and, and, and sort of planned what I was going to do next. It, it became apparent that I was going to have to leave leave this city. I packed up my stuff, a place I'd lived seven years, I just got in the car and was driven back to Cumbria. Um, so within the space of a week, my job had gone, my girlfriend had gone, I'd left my house, I had no remnants left in New York, um, and I went back. You then ended up in Grasmere and started going out fell walking, tell me a bit about that. The next sort of stage, I guess, I mean, I was back in Brampton, I was, I was now unemployed, of course. Um, although I'd started on this little uh, sort of getting to know myself and, and, and getting my life back on track stage, um, the next stage, I guess, was to get a bit of work again. And um, one of my closest friends, Ryan, again, was somebody else who came, was quickly, quickly there to support me, turned up at my doorstep about two weeks in coming back and said, right, look, you're back now, let's get you out. He's really got into hiking in the lakes since he'd, since he'd started uh, working in the lakes because originally he was always in cafes and pubs like me, that's how I met him. Whilst he'd been in that environment, he'd, he'd bought himself a pair of boots and he started enjoying the fells. Now, this was quite alien to me, you know, I'd, though I'd lived on the doorstep to this. I mean, I, I'd potted around the towns, you know, I'd gone for, gone for tea and cake, I guess, or some, some, of, the, some of the low level walks, you know, of your mum sort of thing. But I'd, I'd, not, I'd not gone up walking. So I remember looking around half the time and going, oh, they're just hills, what's the appeal there? Anyway, he picked me up one day. And so we're going hiking, we're going up Blencathra. I sort of gathered together my clothes, and I've got no gear at this point either, I'm not into this scene, so I think I picked up a jumper, a woolly jumper I had from Debenhams, I put that on, I put on an old pair of swimming shorts that I had, and put my Lonsdale trainers on with yeah. probably, the, the, well, less grip than a pair of bowling shoes, shall we say. <laughs> and I turned up, and there I was with my old school rucksack on my back, going ready for this hike. And he picked me up and he said, you're not wearing them. And I said, well, it's all I've got. So we set off to the lakes anyway from my house in North Cumbria and uh, on the way of course we swing by uh, sort of a, a go outdoors outlet sort of in Penrith and uh, he takes me in there picks up a pair of boots and says what's your size I'm getting you these boots um, and again I didn't have I didn't have pennies to my name at this point you know again I'd, I'd, I'd come back I'd, I'd whittle all my all my money down my neck or, or paying off my last bits of my rent from this house after leaving this job I had nothing really it was, it was, really, it was a big moment that really he, he, he bought this, this pair of boots for me and then we drove down to the car park of Blencathra and set off a bit. It was really hard. I mean, it was three weeks for me. I'm really unfit. I'm still detoxing from alcohol. Yeah. I've not had a smoke in three weeks. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm in my hot flushes all the time. This sort of thing. My head's pounding. You know, I've still got the shakes sort of in my hands. All sorts. I'm, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what frame of mind I'm in. You know, I'm still sort of completely heartbroken from losing this relationship, and next minute I'm getting dragged up these sort of these, these these mountains, and and we got up, and it, it was slow, and it wasn't it wasn't anything pretty. Um, but he was there. He didn't rush off from me. He just took a time. We enjoyed the views, and I, I'd not really seen that sort of side before, and I enjoyed looking down on sort of like the Keswick and that, seeing how to do it and water. And we got up it, and we had so we, we got up to the summit, and it was quite a proud moment, and. We got up there and we went down again and he dropped me off at home and he went, right, we're doing Helvellyn next. So, okay, again, Helvellyn, I thought it sounded like a craft beer to me. I'd, 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 I'd never even heard of it. And uh, that wasn't until the following week. And again, we went out again that second week, did the same thing, parked up, off we went, up Helvellyn. And it was a glorious day the first time I went to Helvellyn, but it was completely blue skies, not a cloud. And I remember getting to the top of there and it was fantastic. And, and I, that sort of moment there, I remember stood looking over, and he actually got a picture of me there. I stood looking over, um, looking at the time below, looking at the striding edge, and, and it just sort of twigged something in me. I don't know what it was, but it, it almost, it almost felt like a, a little passion was being ignited here. You know, it's something that I'd not had before, but also something that that related a lot to what I was going through at the time, because it, it, it was an uphill struggle, if you like. I guess no pun intended. What what I was doing, uh, it completely changed my life, completely taking a right turn from everything I was doing before. You know, one minute, you know, I'm spending every night sat on a chair in a pub, popping out every 20 minutes for a smoke. And next minute, here I am, trying to change all this and walking up sort of hills as well. So it was almost like a bit of a physical manifestation of what I was going through as a person. And we continued from there. So we just, so it was Belen Caffer the first week, Helvel in the second week, we did Scarfell Pike the third week. So I'd already done three sort of quite substantial heights there in the first few weeks of doing nothing. And, and by this point, I, I was hooked. I was there, it was, a new, it was a new addiction for me, I was onto it. So I started working in this cafe in Graspier and all of a sudden we're in this environment every day. And the running side had also been ignited then as well, so we started running after work, the two of us. And again, he was, he was very instrumental in this sort of this fitness journey because he was again, we were going back to the gym after work um, up there as well, taking me out into the fells and then, then the running in the fells. And so every night after work through the summer, for example, in, in the lakes, glorious grass mere, we've got all these routes to go through. Again, like this one we're up here. Easdale yeah. Tarn was one of our main routes. So after work, we'd go there, trail trainers on, and try and run up Easdale Tarn. So I'd gone from this point of, you know, couldn't run down the street, to struggling running around a, a, a sort of a small tarn in my local area, to, to now I'm, I'm hiking mountains, and now I'm, I'm running up these, these, these small fells. Now, Although it was just Easdale Tarn, little little walking routes at first, that soon grew to being like the little Helm Crag just across the way there. Um, we then had ones like Silver Howe nearby, Luffrig, and I finally started realising that this change wasn't chasing that, that previous life anymore. It wasn't for sort of your friends or your family who were sticking by you. It's for me, this change, really. You know, it, and it, it's me becoming who I've always wanted to be. And now your life, you know, you've done... What is it? Nearly, nearly a hundred Wainwrights, and yep. you're sober now. And Completely, yeah, yeah. So, how does the make the outdoors make you feel, and how has it really helped you with battling that addiction and and your life now? It's, it's given me a new a new channel, I guess. I mean, I, I do see it as sort of as vices vices in life almost. I mean, uh, although sort of I guess my my vice at the time were were alcohol, were cigarettes, and I guess food to to an extent. Um, I think ultimately, they're always just things you're just chasing, sort of happiness really or sort of dopamine as it is sort of thing so with the sort of mountains I guess now it, it's a new vice if you like so um, once that sort of passion was ignited again and I, I really sort of took to it 
I was now getting irritable if I wasn't getting out on a day, if I wasn't going yeah. out for a run, if I wasn't going up a mountain, I was going, I've got to go and do this. Or yeah. then I was, you know, I was hitting the gym in the morning sometimes, and then I was, then I was going, I'll go back again on the evening because I wanted to go out again. So I see it almost. I joke sometimes that it's almost like new churches to worship in, sort of thing. It was like I used to used to worship in the pub, and I'd worship every day, you know. Whereas now, you know, I worship sort of exercise almost all the way. Whether it's in the fells, whether it's in the gym now. It was at this point that Harrison became Fell Foodie on Instagram and started gathering a huge following for his cooking in the Fells. How did that come about? Had he always been into cooking? I have. Yeah, cooking's been the one passion that's always stayed stayed through with me. I think it's uh, from a very young age. Um, I used to cook with, with my grandmother, and it'd just be initially baking things, I guess, baking cakes, but cookies, and whatnot. Again, because I was in that sort of hospitality environment as well, I guess I could pick up little things from there. I never trained or anything. I never, never ever trained as, as a chef or anything. So I never like to call myself a chef because I think that's quite insulting to those who have trained. Um, it initially began with me cooking sort of um, meals at home and packing them up and taking them into the fells is how it sort of began. So again, when I was meeting these groups um, out hiking stuff, so they'd be there with all the sort of cling film butties all squashed at the bottom of their bag. And <laughs> Tasty. I'd, yeah, well that's it. And I'd, I'd sort of just produce, just, uh, just pick at these uh, Tupperware pots, maybe a nice pasta dish I'd done, or maybe just a, I don't know, just a, a sort of nice, a sort of cold mixed salad there sort of thing I'd have. And um, they'd always used to comment on sort of what I was bringing up the hills, that sort of way. And I started thinking, um, well, I'm cooking this at home and I'm taking it out into the hills. Well, I could sort of skip a step here and I could sort of cook in the hills and have it there and there. So I got chatted to, to a few sort of uh, acquaintances at the time and stuff and started talking about stoves again. Because I, I didn't have a lot of equipment still at this time. Like, mm. I mean, I'd got my running equipment together. I had that now. I had some basic sort of walking stuff. I basically found a stove that was basically powered on, on wood. Um, so I was cooking on, on real fire out there and it was portable. It was a controlled fire, of course, because I didn't want to be setting off the yeah. uh, uncontrolled fires out in the hills and sort of thing, because it's just that's not, not an appropriate thing to be doing. Once, once I had that equipment then, it just seemed to sort of take off a bit really and people seemed to sort of enjoy what I was doing. Now, I'd set up a, like an Instagram account in this time as well. Now, initially I'd just set this up just so I wasn't boring my Facebook friends with pictures of my dinner, um, <laughs> really. So I set it up and I set it up quite anonymously um, and I started sort of, I dubbed myself sort of the fellow foodie. I'm just up atop there cooking now, just just taking all my stuff up, transporting almost the full kitchen, oh, well, obviously of, of camping ba camping-based kitchen up to the top of these... Uh, these remote areas now and uh and what, kind, what kind of things are you making all sorts all sorts i mean obviously i haven't got i haven't got an oven up there of course yeah, or yeah, that yeah. sort of thing but but I'll, I'll throw my hand at everything really so i mean whether it's just you know good little steaks up there or i've done things like i've done steak and ale stews you know i've done uh things that are nice and nice chicken dishes like ratatouille dishes up there and stuff um i also did like a nice uh sort of seared sea bream dish the other day uh sort of like a broad bean and pancetta sort of salad underneath um even just sort of burgers in boffies you know and anything really i'm just sort of still sort of taking that experimental edge out into the hills now and it's like a new a new level i mean i've, I've sort of i've learned my cooking in, in in kitchens at home of course and a bit of kitchens in in the uh, hospitality environment but there's almost now another step of now taking these dishes you've learned and you've honed in the kitchens now seeing if you can now do them in an area like this where all of a sudden you've only got one hob you know, you might, you, you might, you've only got a couple of pans, you know, you, you really need minimal equipment, but can you still produce these dishes with this minimal equipment in a minimal environment, you know, with the exposure? And the answer is yes, you can. 
I find it very relaxing as well being out there and being at one with nature sort of thing. I, mean, I, I really enjoy my wild camping as well. Uh, again, it all heightens the experience. If you're up there, I'm hiking in the, in the fells that I love. I'm out there at the top. I'm then setting up my pitch. My, I've in my bivvy or I've got my tent on the go. I mean, we're getting back more to the bivvy weather now. Now it's uh, getting hotter again. And, uh, and then I've got my, my stove there as well. So I'm not taking my, my dehydrated packed meals out there. You know? I'm not taking uh, sort of a, the cling film butties that you know, most of the folks are doing there. I'm, I'm cooking sort of a, you know, a, a meal I'd be more than happy with at home, but on the top of the fell, it all heightens the experience. When you sat there, sort of tent set up, sort of the, the real fire sort of smell going there from my little controlled stove, looking over a sunset over some of these lakes. I mean, it's, it's just, you just sort of pinch, pinch yourself moments. As a result of the success of his Instagram, Harrison is now writing articles about his cooking in outdoors magazines and being invited to give talks at Lakeland shows. I love where I am now, and I'm back sort of back where I'm from. Um, I'm in a lifestyle I love, and I've really sort of become the sort of person I wanted to be in the first place. You know, I've, 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 I've battled my demons, you know, I've, I've, I've found the root of those issues I had, you know. I know why I was in that sort of lifestyle I was in. It was my way of coping, it was my way of sort of medicating my life at the time. It, it was, uh, my intent was all like an investment to get to where I am now. I wouldn't go back and say, oh, if I could change it, not have, not have that period, because that's what made me who I am now. Mm. Um, and there's still positive moments from that, from those from those dark days that I took out. I mean, again, the little, the cooking bits that are in there were, were picked up during those moments. I wouldn't have had those if I wasn't in that environment. It's just grown from there now, and I guess I've just, just embraced it, embraced that lifestyle up in the hills, cooking, doing stuff that I love. By now, the wind was getting up, it was cooling down, and I hadn't eaten for hours. So I was delighted when Harrison started unpacking his cooking gear. We're starting to cook now, and tell me, talk me through the ingredients of this dish. Okay, so we've just got like a chicken and cannellini stew I'm sort of doing here. So a few sort of uh, Spanish influences, I guess, in there as well. So we've got... Uh, so mixed peppers in there, onion, garlic, we've sort of uh, sorted that off in a bit of white wine. Um, and then we're going to go with some chicken, some cannellini beans, and then yeah, tomato passata in there. And just run it all through, heat it through, and serve it with some bread. Oh, Lovely. delicious. And so you've got it on a wood-burning stove right now, so we've got a lovely smell of that wood smoke. That's right, yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Adding in the chicken now. Usually when I cook this one at home, I'll, uh, I'll start it all off in the pan, sear it all through with that, and then um, once the smart has been added, uh, bring that to heat on the stove and then I'll usually put it in the oven for a few hours just to really sort of concentrate the flavours. Um, but obviously we haven't got that privilege out here yeah. in the hills, have we? So once it comes up to temperature, we'll probably be, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, I'd say. Mm. So Harrison, we've got this beautiful dish that you have made. <laughs> Delicious chicken and cannellini bean stew with some lovely bits of focaccia. Yeah. Thank you. Right, should have a taste. Should warm you up. Oh, lovely. Sounds good to me. Oh, it's delicious. And also that wood smoke gives it a real smoky flavour as well. In the spot. <laughs> mm. Delicious. So, in terms of tips for cooking, <laughs> then, in the fells, what, what would you suggest? Well, I think you've just got to sort of be aware of where, you, where you're heading sometimes. And... Uh, 
how much space you've got in your pack, I guess. So, I mean, I tend to prep most of my stuff at location, um, but certainly to speed things up, I think it's there's little tips you can find, obviously. Pre-prepping your stuff at home, pre-prepping your veg. Um, again, if you're buying stuff from the supermarket, I guess decanting it down, there's all that unnecessary packaging that comes in these days. So half the time if you're going in and you're buying a pack of mixed peppers, you only need one pepper, then just decant those down. Again, it might be sort of three chicken breasts in a pack. If you're just cooking for one, you need the one. So you may as well save the pack space, save the weight. So to count those down into sort of little Tupperware containers, if you like, um, that's one tip I'd give. Um, I suppose another one um, is reduce, recycle, reuse after time. You know, like a lot of my um, equipment and stuff, I guess, that I used to carry things is uh, is old sort of plastic pots and things, or old little glass containers. So example, a lot of my seasons I take are old hair wax pots. <laughs> they are, yes, <laughs> so exactly. I sort of, once I finish those, they make great, those, they're screw top, they're completely sealed off. Mm. So I clean all those out after I've uh, applied all the products on my hair. And then uh, they make great for sort of little spice mixes. So again, you can have sort of different spice blends in there. You can make them at home, little Moroccan blends, I guess, or little curry, curry spice mixes. You can pre-make those at home and then just bring one container of your spices. So it's not as if you're bringing a whole blooming spice rack up the hill with you. It's, just one little bit for there. Again, things like the oil, and I bring my oil, I mean, some people just use a little spray bottle if you like, I mean, that's quite a handy way to do it, but I like to bring my proper oils or even vinegar sometimes, but rather than bringing a whole proper um, big glass bottle uh, that they usually come in, you can, uh, I, I found these little sort of mini little like syrup bottles almost, little glass syrup bottles that I find, they're only sort of about 100 mil. So once they're finished, half the time I've just poured them away actually I don't really want the syrup but yeah. I just want the bottle and uh, <laughs> they make great for little oils and vinegars so just, just basically taking up for sort of one two cooks at a time so yeah, yeah. again it's just that's reduce or reuse again that goes back to pack weight pack size so they're really good ones and could you give some examples of what might be good things to cook for breakfast lunch and dinner out in the hills for example for breakfast stuff I've cooked quite often um, I don't know nice bacon and poached eggs on on sort of toast sort of thing you can toast over the open flame that's quite nice um, again, I suppose for those who maybe are vegetarians or wise, you could just do a nice porridge dish with some fresh fruit, um, some nice honeys that brought up as well. That can all be done from scratch. I'm not talking your oats so simple sachet here. I'm not, you know, sort of bringing yeah, proper yeah. oats up. So anything you like, really. Again, your lunches. I mean, from your simple things, just to do a sort of grilled chicken, sort of the steaks. I mean, in fact, fajitas are always quite good things. Your one pot jobs are generally the, the easy ones to go yeah. for. Um, you don't want to be getting into sort of, you know, your full Sunday dinners in the hills, I guess, because one thing, you're not going to be able to carry the pans and it's just, two, it's all going to be cold. And you tend to find in the hills a lot, when you've got the weather to contend with as well, um, you've got the wind, you might have the rain, you know, all this age, you know, things cool down a lot quicker than they would do at home, you know, there's not a lot of sheltered, so you've got to think of that as well, especially if you're cooking for other people. But, uh, I know well, you've done well today because you've been battling a few showers on the while, <laughs> while you've been trying to cook this dish, so. Yeah, it's a cumbrian you know, summer can today, change. isn't it? Definitely. So who would be the three people who have inspired your new outdoor life? It's a difficult question, I find, sort of, who, who sort of inspired me to get there. I mean, obviously a lot of it was was my own sort of self-improvement, I guess. But I mean, certainly I think one of my close mates, Ryan, that I mentioned earlier on, who, who literally picked me up sort of on my doorstep weeks in sort of coming home, um, dragging me up the fells, quite literally sort of initially, um, Obviously buying me buying me those sort of a pair of boots that I didn't know, I didn't have a penny to my name. I mean 
those I suppose were more aiding the activities at first, but then certainly his sort of love for it um, and his newfound love for it, I guess, was, was, was inspiring for me. I think probably next, um, in terms of, I suppose, the cooking side, I mean, there's, there's many people who've inspired me in that sort of way. Um, chefs wise too much, but again, this sort of maybe slightly niche market of cooking in the outdoors is one that's not too many uh, that I can name from there. But I suppose one, back to the old throwback sort of years, I guess would probably be Keith Floyd, I guess. He, oh, he, was, yes. sort of, he was definitely someone that uh, has been always one of my favorite sort of television chefs and stuff. He seemed to sort of start to merge the two worlds of taking that sort of restaurant cuisine out onto little setups. I mean, it might just be, it might have been in the little harbors, or it might be beachside. He did a few out, out in sort of the countryside with a set of little stoves and he'd cook and he'd produce those same meals. So certainly there's that little aspect there, I guess, maybe his, uh, his mantra for that. And again, he was always quite a jovial character as well, you know, sort of things didn't seem to get in the way for his life. He just seemed to take it in his stride. So that too, I suppose, was, was quite inspiring. I've struggled for a third one, to be honest. It, 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 there's not been any other particular person who I've, I've really pinpointed for sort of that love of the outdoors now, really. I think um, I've mentioned before, a lot of it is, is more the inspiring, inspired nature of it being sort of the way of life as it used to be, I guess, and how 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 people in years gone by used to live, I guess. So that's I find that quite inspiring. Of um, They're just getting by with minimal equipment, you know, and, and surviving. And, you know, I think the hardness of that, I think, really sort of... Um, can put a lot of our our own minor life problems in perspective half the time. So looking back at your life three years ago and looking at it now, what are your thoughts? It's hard to comprehend, um, really, but it, but I also think it's very important not to sort of pull it back in the past. I mean, I, I'm very much an advocate for um, don't look back because you're not going that way anymore. My life has changed direction. Um, I'm not sort of one going, oh, look, look how I was. This is, this is, you know, look how my life's so different. But, but in the same way, it's really important to sort of almost relieve those struggles sometimes. And I think to talk about it and pass it on sometimes to people because there's people who could be now who could be going through a similar situation who, you know, are feeling very alone and um, don't think anyone else has gone through this before. And I can, uh, I can say, look, I, I've experienced that. You know, I've, I've had a similar thing. You know, it can get better. You, know, you can make little changes in your life. It was my, my family doctor actually said something that really, really stuck with me at one point. Um, it was quite related to the hills, I guess. I don't think he intended it at the time. He didn't realise what I was doing. But um, he sort of summed up, sort of, I guess, depression in that sort of uh, that sort of mentality I was in, the mental health sector, and I suppose addiction in a way of um, of being like being like climbing a mountain. And he said, you set off up this mountain and, it, and it's an uphill climb and it's a struggle and it's hard and you're making each step, but you're still stepping forward, little steps, getting closer to your target goal. And you can get halfway up this mountain, for example, and the clouds all come in and all of a sudden surround you and you can't see anything, you can't see sort of the next person in front of you and you don't really know where you're going and you're sort of making blind steps thinking you're still going forward, but you might be going backwards, but you don't really know where you are, but, you, but you've got to keep plodding on. You can't just finish and stop there because you'll be halfway up a mountain and you won't, you won't get home again. So you keep putting each foot in front of the other, keep making these steps forward, and eventually you come out of this cloud. And you'll come out of this cloud at the top of a mountain, looking down sort of below, and, and, you, and you've made it. And the cloud is now behind you. And not always the case, of course, in mountaineering, as many people will know. <laughs> Sometimes those clouds are still there. But, but in, in the sort of the metaphor, um, 
he sort of went through it and sort of the more times he did that, those clouds are almost, they're always there, but now they're almost further away. So you can now be on that summit and it's a clear summit, a clear day. You're there taking it all in. And maybe in the distance you might see one little cloud and that might still be representative of, of some personal issues you're still having, but they're very distant now. And there's still memories of that in my head, and of course, and I still have my struggles day to day. Um, far, far less than I used to, of course. You know, I mean, I'm not getting sort of my cravings for alcohol anymore, sort of thing, that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, on a daily basis, certainly not. And But there'll always be a part of me that that, 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 that sort of the investment for life that I've had um, is through those times. So it's, it's very important not to forget them. Um, but I'm not that person anymore. You know, I've almost... Uh, Again, I, I love reading these sort of quotes sometimes. It's the motivational quotes or whatever, little bits. And some of those items, I've always had them saved on my phone, sort of even from day one, sort of thing. And even things that one, one, one what was one that said that it's, uh, you know, many people say that I've changed. And it's like, I've not changed. I've just, I've just found myself, sort of thing. I've just found who I was meant to be. And all, all, all those little steps I've taken from that, from, from, from that three years, three years ago, have all, have all brought me to where I am now. It's been so much fun to come out and sit by the tarn and chat and, and hear more about your incredible transformation, really. So and it's, it's a really inspiring story. Um, and I hope that a lot of people get a lot out of it, um, listeners onto this. But thank you so much. It's been so much fun. No and thank you. Lovely to meet you, Harrison. And you. Thanks for listening to Harrison's podcast. If you're enjoying The Outdoors Fix, please subscribe to it and mention it to your family and friends. There are also lots more photos and info about the podcast and guests on theoutdoorsfix.com or on Instagram at theoutdoorsfix. Now, it's time for some sounds from nature and an opportunity to relax. This time, it's the sound of river water cascading down a weir near Budley Salton in Devon.